Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are again. Another two-game slate. And uh, happy Friday. You guys are uh, ready for some more action this weekend. It's been kind of light for sports uh, through the week because we're done with NBA. And I'm sure Adam's sad about that. But happy about a two-game slate. Am I right, Adam? Yeah, at least we kind of have pitching today. Yesterday was... One of the more brutal shows I've done just as far as trying to find things to talk about because we didn't have listed pitchers in the Houston game. So I'm at least excited to to have pitchers on our two-game slate. Yeah, me and Mac were struggling to, to fill an hour on Live Before Lock, but we, we did. We, we figured it out. Um, Emac had a couple stories, as always. So uh, we, were able <laughs> no to, we were able to set up, uh, send everyone up to lock. Uh, so going back to yesterday, I, I was really interested. Uh, I hadn't been looking at line of study too much. Um, but I just like wanted to see what the winning lineup was. I know Kershaw, um, didn't pitch well, but he's in like every one of the top lineups and he's, uh, he was, let's see, 86% owned 86.7% owned in the MLB 200 K, uh, pennant push. So I didn't do a show with you yesterday. How did you handle yesterday's situation? If you played or, or how would you have? If you yeah. Played? I skipped the slate once. Uh, I don't pitching. blame you. Yeah, it, it, well, I, I probably wasn't going to play anyway. And then once Snell wasn't starting, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Um, but yeah, I think like I said on the show that I thought I would just have a lot of Kershaw because with it being a two game slate, you could easily get a couple of Atlanta bats against him anyway. Mm-hmm. It was just in terms of raw points, where are you even if Kershaw does have a mediocre game and scores, you know, like let's say 12 points or something. I don't even know what he ended up at. But those 12 points, there's a really good chance that they're, you know, a lot higher than any other pitcher on the slate, especially because you didn't expect Bryce Wilson to do well. So there was a really high probability, you know, especially we have to rest with the two pitchers too, that Kershaw was still going to be the, t- uh, the top pitcher, you know, with any sort of mediocre or better performance. And there was nothing prohibiting you from taking Marcelo Zuna and Acuna or something against him. So I didn't really see a really good path to avoiding him even at high ownership. Yeah. And I, I didn't play on DK yesterday. I played some on FanDuel, and um, I basically just went all in on Kershaw. I think I had like one or two Bryce Wilson lineups out of 150. And so looking at this DK tournament, again, Kershaw, almost 87% owned, kind of low, like, like lower than I thought. I think people just got too cute. I think there was probably a better than 87% chance he was the top two pitcher yesterday. Like you basically needed him to get negative points and pick the right relievers and leave a bunch of salary on the table 
or or he was going to be in the winning lineup. And so that's how I looked at it. Um, I, do you think he was better than 87% chance to be a top two pitcher? Yeah, I think what you said is really important because so often you'll see, you know, if, if you're like in Slack chat or, or probably YouTube chat, I don't know, I don't read that, but um, you see people all the time like, you know, oh, he's X percent owned. I need to fade him. And that's like as far as their thinking goes. And, and that's where it's a problem. Like the good tournament players are thinking in terms of what are his chances of success versus how owned is he? Um, just looking at the, the raw ownership number doesn't tell you a lot. And when you think through yesterday's slate, especially, you know, obviously once Snell wasn't pitching either, you have to come up with a path that gives you a chance to, to beat the Kershaw lineups. It's not just not having Kershaw. Um, you know, it's one thing like, yeah, I would love to not roster a 90% owned pitcher and hope that he fails. Um, but when he fails, how am I winning? And there wasn't really a clear answer yesterday. You know, you, you're, I guess, rostering Bryce Wilson, and then you're still guessing at a reliever. So you're still giving, it's still a really low probability play. And there was probably a higher chance that so you were probably better off just having Kershaw everywhere on two pitcher site than fading him at 87%. Yeah. And so looking at Alex's uh, ownership uh, or exposures and then Rinpack, I saw he had uh, a lineup near the top. Um, they both had, they both went all in on Kershaw and then just pretty flat down the line for bats, um, with the chalkier bats. I'm assuming if you click into some of these lineups, you're getting one to two guys that are, you know, less than 10% owned in their lineups. Um, guys like, let's see who Austin Riley was 4%. Danzy Swanson was, uh, 6.6%. Kike Hernandez was under 10 as was Tucker and Adamas. So, um, they were heavy on some of the, the lower guys and, um, the winning lineup had Kershaw in it as did pretty much every lineup near the top with Bryce Wilson, Kershaw as, uh, <clears throat> who Steven pointed out in chat, uh, only had 6.5, uh, 6.45 DK points, but it didn't really matter. As long as he was uh, close to a top two pitcher, he was going to be in the winning lineup. So this guy had a, uh, three man raise stack, Justin Turner one off Marcelo Zuna one off against Kershaw with 37 points. That was obviously key to get the one bat that went completely nuts. Uh, even if you had Kershaw in the lineup and then Correa Springer Altuve. So nothing ridiculous. I think good to see that, uh, like if you were playing this and you played one, uh, or two hitters against Kershaw, you didn't group yourself out of the potential winning lineup. So I don't know if this was the exact optimal, but it had to be, it had to be up there as pretty darn close and uh, he banked it solo by three points. So that's impressive on a two game slate with one and a half pitchers. Yeah. And the guy in second had a solo or no uh, split second with uh, a 150 maxer and uh, he had just one lineup. So uh, it can be done. Although I wouldn't recommend trying to chase after these big tournaments with, uh, with just one lineup. Maybe this was a cash lineup, honestly, for H eight F O Z G eight. I don't know. If that's an acronym for something, if it is, I have no clue what it is for. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, really weird slate. Um, but glad we're done with that. We do have some real pictures today. We do have projections up. Uh, I believe we should have ownership up by now. If not, it'll be coming with a couple minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes ago. So right as we got on. So go check that out if you guys uh, haven't yet and you are premium members. We do have MLB top stacks tool today for free. So we unlock that for everyone. We unlock a, a piece of uh, premium content for free most days. 
And uh, for NFL today, we have the rankings. So you can see who Alex has as um, some of his top plays. The rankings are derived directly from um, the projections. So just kind of a tiered system instead of a uh, actual point system. And you can get access uh, to the rankings with the NFL uh, express tool. Um, uh, I'm sorry, NFL express package, not the express tool. You can get the NFL uh, express top stacks tool with that package, 395. And uh, we basically just added all of our showdown content to that. So if you guys are looking to get in on some showdown, um, you don't necessarily have to buy the platinum package. We obviously want you to come and hang out and get access to everything, get access to FC. But if you're looking to just spend uh, a few dollars a week and get all of our showdown stuff for free or included, um, NFL Express is, uh, is how you do that. $3.95 per week. What else do we have going on for today? I think that's about, I think that's about it. Um, just want to take a quick look at line of study and we already did that. So let's start with the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays, Houston hanging around here. Uh, first team I saw since the 2003 Red Sox to go down three Oh, and then force a game six. So I was a little bit surprised to hear that. Um, obviously that 2003, or was it 2004? Maybe it was 2004. I know I was a freshman in high school, so it must have been 2004. Okay, so two, yeah, so 2003 was the year with the Bartman, uh, the yeah. Bartman game, and then the the um, the Red Sox blew a three-two lead, I think, in Yankee Stadium or something like. And those were on consecutive days. And then the next year, the Red Sox down three-zero. So, yes, 2004. Um, yeah, it's it's been a while since we've had this. So now the, the pressure kind of goes back to the Rays, but they do have their ace on the mound, Blake Snell. Um, $8,700 on DK going up against Framber Valdez, who's been awesome. I think he's probably overperformed some of his underlying numbers. Uh, I don't know if I've talked to you about Valdez uh, too often because I haven't done too many shows, but what's your thoughts on Valdez just in general? Is he overperforming or is he this good? Like, should he be a guy with a 30% K rate? Yeah, I kind of struggle with him. He, he's sort of like the opposite of Jose Urquidy for me. Um, Josh and I talked the other day about how Urquidy's strikeout numbers just fell off the face of the earth. And normally when something like that happens, especially in a shorter season, you would expect that it's just kind of a blip on the radar, but strikeout numbers stabilize quickly. And so I'm inclined to think that he's improved. I mean, last like you look at Valdez last year, 19% strikeout percentage to righties, 24.7% to lefties. This year he's at 24% to righties, 32.5% to lefties. So a sizable jump against both uh, hitters from both sides of the plate. Doing a really good job limiting power, um, particularly against lefties, but also 114 ISO to righties. Uh, I think he's improved. Um, I don't, I I don't really know the reason for his improvement. Um, I haven't dug into it, but I, I do. I do think he's improved. Like across the board, his numbers are just really good. And I think that there's probably something to it. Yeah. And he's had all these like massive upside starts. So I, I think that's what I get confused with. Like um, he's got a 26.4% carry. I think I said 30, but it's a little bit lower than what I thought. 26.4%. Um, and he's had a couple games with 11 strikeouts going six, seven innings. Um, so he's got massive upside. Uh, obviously here you're just looking for a good performance and to outscore some of the other pitchers on the slate. Um, 4.3 implied total against Valdez. Um, I know you don't have to choose between one of these two guys, but if you could only play one Valdez or Snell, would it be Snell? Yeah, I think I would still lean towards Snell. Um, 
the matchup against Houston obviously is difficult. Even when they weren't hitting well, they're a team that doesn't strike out a lot. And so they still weren't really a favorable matchup for DFS purposes. And then now they have started to come around at least a little bit with the bats, but you know, Snell still does come in with the higher strikeout percentage at 31 and at 31% walk percentage and home runs are, are higher than for Valdez. So maybe a little bit more of like a boom or bust spot when you factor in the matchup and Snell's tendencies, but at a similar price point, I tend to just prefer the guy with the higher strikeout percentage. Um, that said, I'll roster both of these guys together in a lot of lineups. For sure. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to go. Um, we looking at the projections here, uh, I'm surprised that Snell is so much lower projected than uh, Valdez. So Alex seems to prefer uh, Framer Valdez pretty convincingly. He's cheaper, way better value, and just way higher um, raw point projection by over three points. I, so I wonder if that means he thinks that Snell is going to be limited. Do you have any concerns about that? I thought he was on full rest, but I'm checking it right now. Um, yeah, no real concerns. He hasn't pitched since I think the fifth. Uh, yeah, yeah, since the eleventh. Um, through wait, what? DraftKings says he threw zero pitches in five innings. Um, That's pretty difficult to do. Yeah, I don't think that happened. But either way, he's on normal rest. Um, I, I don't. And he went five innings in that start, so I don't yeah. think he's limited. And through hundred, yeah, through hundred five, uh, five days ago. So yeah, I wonder. I wonder if we have the totals flipped in that. Uh, like the run totals against, but yeah, I, I don't know. He's got, he's got Valdez at over 19 points and Snell under 16. Um, so we'll see if that changes by the time we, uh, it's a lock, but, but I would have thought that, yeah, Snell um, would be the better option. We'll see um, if it doesn't change, I would end up with more Valdez, but just looking at this, um, I thought I would end up with a ton of Snell. So these two are probably the best options on the regardless. We don't, don't know who's going for Atlanta. Maybe we have a better idea because we now do have uh, a total um, for this game, but uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. What about bats here? Uh, is there a team you prefer to stack um, ownership wise? looks like a bunch of the bats in on both sides are up near the top. Um, some of the Houston getting a bunch of ownership are, uh, Bregman, and then we've got uh, Springer, Lemus Diaz, cheap and dual position eligibility. Any of these guys stick out to you? I think the Houston bats are actually, you know, I, I set up a first now and I do for the strikeout upside, but I think that the Houston bats are also appealing because of Snell's not, not major, but you know, propensity to give up home runs at least a little bit this year 1.8 home runs per nine this season 1.64 expected iso to righties um is a little bit lower than his 188 actual iso so it looks like he got a little bit unlucky there so far but also you know would still be expected to give up some power and you have such good power bats in this lineup from the right side with springer l2v bregman correa so looking to those guys you know as a one-off or, or two-off basically you can still obviously roster snell and roster those guys um valdez did a much better job of limiting power 0.64 home runs per nine this season um his expected iso to righties 152 is a bit higher than his actual 114 so got probably a little lucky in that department but still the expected number is a little bit lower than than snell um so i think you're looking the right-handed bats from tampa araza reina is playing out of his mind um seems like he's he might just be really really good uh obviously had a good regular season as well and it's carried over into the postseason so his salary's come up he's one of those players where i don't entirely know what to make of it because he's outperforming his projections but projections 
are just projections, obviously. And uh, he's played really well all year long. So, you know, might just be a really good player. And 4,700 for him uh, looks reasonable against Valdez. Uh, Yandy Diaz, if he's in the lineup, Hunter Renfro, I would like a bit. Um, the problem with Renfro is that he's probably going to get pinch hit for in like the fifth inning. Right. Uh, did Jack, uh, you weren't, you, you didn't play, but <clears throat> um, Jack was bad. I don't know if you saw, I won't actually ended up getting pinch hit for because I bumped him down manually in the projections. Like we hadn't seen him bat up there for like years. Um, it seems like, or actually he had that, uh, he hit lead off a couple times, I think, but um, it, it just looked like a weird Dodgers lineup and they were going to get him out after he faced the righty, the first two around. Um, so in chat, if you guys, if you guys know, um, so I don't have to look it up. Let me know if, if Jock actually came out of that game early. Um, Rosarena, yeah, every day. And we've got him at uh, the lowest owned bat in this. So, I mean, there's probably like people are going to click on that box, um, casual people, and just throw him in there and think that he's, you know, Barry Bonds. Um, so I think he's going to be probably a little bit higher than what we have him at. Yeah, the price increase um, is certainly going to get some people off of him. I haven't been uh, riding the Rosarena train. So, uh, you know, my accounts have uh, been dwindling in terms of the money in them. But, uh, yeah, batting second here, 4700 bucks against the lefty, I think. Uh, pretty good spot if his ownership uh, stays somewhat in check. Going up against Snell here, uh, there's not really any Astros bats that I feel like I need to point out, I guess. Um, the guys that I, I think I would be interested in playing are – the good players, meaning Bregman, uh, Altuprea, and those guys are all going to get uh, quite a bit of ownership because the pricing is pretty soft. Um, would you be looking to play a bat against these guys? And uh, would you go up to two, I guess, on Fantasy Cruncher? Would you allow two bats against these guys? Yeah, I'd be fine with going for two. I, I think I mentioned that when we did a show the other day, but I've been using the boost feature on Fantasy Cruncher to deal with with this because I don't with it being a two game slate I don't want to just restrict every lineup I make to like zero hitters against my pitcher or one hitter against my pitcher or, or whatever but I have been using it to just um, make it so that if my pitcher if a pitcher is in the lineup the hitters against him are deducted you know x percent and that makes it so that I'm getting a mix you know it's not just going to give me all like if I set the max at two hitters it's not going to give me all lineups with two hitters that have you know against my pitcher because it projects well so it'll give me a nice mix and then I can go through and, and choose from those but yeah I'm fine with taking a couple of hitters um, especially again on a slate like this I think it opens the door for it a little bit more too because the pitching in the Atlanta game is so questionable as far as how deep they're going to be able to go you have presumably Josh Tomlin and then you have Dustin May who through like an inning and two thirds in relief three, three or four days ago. So there's legit question marks on how deep those guys are going to go into the game. So there is a pretty decent chance that Snell and Valdez are the two optimal pitchers. And e even if they don't throw great games, I guess is the point I'm making. Like if these guys both go five innings, give up like two or three runs, there's still a pretty decent chance they're the two pitchers that you want. So taking hitters against them really isn't a problem to me. Yeah. I, I mean, the boost feature is really, really good for this. I don't know if we've talked about it yet, maybe on Wednesday, we mentioned it, but um, what you would do if you guys haven't seen the new tool on Fantasy Cruncher, which you can get as an add-on with your Osmo Plus subscription, um, Dave made a new tool where um, you can key boost guys, uh, essentially. You can key a guy and say, if this guy's in the lineup, I want to uh, negatively, or I want to uh, decrease the projection for 
X amount of players and list all those other guys. So for a hitter, you might do for hitter against a pitcher, you might say, all right, I can allow up to two players against my pitcher. But if I have Blake Snell in the lineup, I would uh, negatively, or I would decrease Altuve's projection. I would decrease basically everyone in the Astros. You use like 10% or something. Yeah, like I use 10%. 10%. Just, yeah. yeah. Random so, number that seems to work out pretty well. Yeah. And you can play around with it. Like you can do multiple crunches as yeah. you guys know. So but really um, good for every sport too. So easily the biggest addition fantasy crunchers had since I've been using it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love that tool. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm using it correctly and not uh, basically grouping myself out of uh, right. stuff that I shouldn't be, especially in NFL. So I'll be uh, using the weekend to figure out some of that stuff. It'll Anything be really else? good for basketball too. I'm excited to like actually be able to pair point guards without setting a rule to pair point guards. Yeah, like for short, I was talking with Emac. We got on some hands yesterday. Uh, and for that, would you just you would negatively correlate um, a guy and his backup on like a shorter slate. So you allow it, but it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, I would do that. And then also on the bigger slates, like you can just set it. So for every point guard that projects more than 38 fantasy points, the opposing point guard gets a 10% bump or something like that um, to like get you the built-in core, like in-game correlation without forcing your lineups all to be like that. So meaning that if so that- like if Chris Ball is playing Russell Westbrook, um, and Chris Paul's in the lineup, I bump Russell Westbrook. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brooks projection. Because he's not going to, like, if he's playing that hard offensively, he's not going to be able to shut down Westbrook? Or? Because if it's, there's some positive correlation within a game. Like, if a game is really high scoring and competitive and your highly projected guard mm-hmm. exceeds value, there's a good chance that the top scorer on the other team is doing it as well. Interesting. I never thought about it like that. But yeah, I guess there's there's definitely some correlation. Yeah, in, it's uh, just like there's not enough correlation that I've ever wanted to set the rule and say like all of my lineups have to have like competing point guards basically because then I'm grouping myself out of a lot of stuff. But using the boost gets you like a nice mix of of stuff. Are there are there like serial game stackers in NBA DFS? Yeah, it's actually become more prevalent. Um, okay. I th- it might be a sharp strategy. I don't know. There's definitely like a it's still a small group, but of what I consider sharp people that do it. Um, yeah, I still don't totally buy into it, but it's becoming a more prevalent strategy. Interesting. Yeah, maybe I should do that and see if I can make some money at NBA DFS, but probably not even with the tools on the site. Um, I think we're good on that game. Uh, let's talk about the Braves and the Dodgers in just a bit. Uh, but first we are sponsored by Yahoo did fantasy sports. You guys see in the upper right hand corner. Uh, Yahoo is a great place to play because, uh, if you like, Paying less money to the site, uh, Yahoo is uh, the place to be. So you're going to see 16% management fees or rate, they call it, on other sites. Uh, Yahoo's running out 11.1% for the biggest tournament um, this week, which is the NFL 200K baller uh, in the 5K Vegas uh, getaway. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but 
sounds pretty interesting. I usually throw 20 to 50 lineups in this, uh, probably too close to lock. I should really focus on this tournament more because of the, the low management fees. I mean, that's two thirds of what you're going to pay elsewhere. It doesn't seem like a lot, but, uh, if you're paying 11% compared to 16% over the long term, that's going to save you a ton of money and you still have a chance to win uh, huge prizes. So it's 25K to first plus the 5K uh, Vegas getaway. Plus a generally softer field as well. Yeah. Have you noticed a lot less pros play over there? Um, I mean, less. Yeah. I, it was definitely, I mean, I loved it when you didn't have the CSV mm-hmm. upload, but um, even with the CSV upload, I mean, you still have like your, you still have guys over there that you'll recognize from, from DraftKings or FanDuel, but there's, I, I would definitely guess that a higher percentage of the field is uh, not pros than on DraftKings or FanDuel. Yeah. And they've got like these lower dollar tournaments, like 10 and 25 max tournaments, which are uh, where you're going to find elsewhere. But again, just lower management fees, like on the $1.25 max 12% management fee, that's three fourths of what you're going to pay elsewhere. So uh, you're just getting a, like you're, you're, paying less to play over on Yahoo is the bottom line. They do have CSV added, as Adam said. Um, so they're making it really easy to, uh, to play over there, especially if you're a casual, um, good place to, uh, to learn DFS and use our tools on the site. Uh, let's go to the other game here, Dodgers and Atlanta Braves, 5.6 implied total for the Dodgers, 3.5 for the Braves. Uh, are you buying into the narrative that Kershaw thinks in the postseason? Because I know that's going to be a popular thing uh, on talk shows uh, today. If you listen to any sports radio, no, I don't buy into it. Um, I mean, even yesterday, and I didn't watch the game, but just from kind of seeing updates on Twitter, I'm pretty sure it was the third time through the lineup he got beat up. I mean, it from from what I gathered on Twitter, it was kind of like, why is Kershaw still in this game at this point? Um, more so than oh, he's doing it again. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, there's no reason to buy into it. Like he's facing better competition in the postseason. So obviously the matchups are, are going to be tougher, but it's not like, like in baseball, you play so many games and everything. It's not like throughout his career, he's just gotten really lucky and faced like cupcake teams in the regular season. And then he can't get quality opponents out or something like it's, it's stupid. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I assume you were going to have that answer. So that's why I asked you like, it's just, it's still too small of a sample. Um, I don't know how many starts he's been in the playoffs, but it's not enough to where you can say, yeah, this guy's just a different player. Maybe there's like, maybe he hears that talk and there's some mental aspect to it, but th- there's really no way to quantify why he would be th- this much worse in the playoffs. I know people point to ERA, but he's also had starts with like complete game shutouts and like eight innings, 10 Ks, like recently too. Um, but they just come in like the divisional series. It's right. just been random where, he gets into the league championship series and he runs into one bad start. And now yeah, it's he's a choker or whatever. Right. It's kind of, there, there's definitely a lot of confirmation bias there at this point as well. Like, like you said, he goes out there and dominates in, in the NLDS and yeah, whatever it's Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. And then he has a bad start and like, Oh yeah, see, we were right. He can't pitch in the playoffs. Right. Um, okay. So the, the line on, the uh your guys' screen is way off. I just made it up. I had no clue who was starting for the Braves. I still don't know. I'm still not seeing a projected starter. So maybe Adam knows. Uh, but it looks like it's gonna be Dustin May for the Dodgers with a big total behind him, 5.6 rounds, as I mentioned earlier. Um, how long do you expect Dustin May to go? Because he hasn't really pitched, he hasn't really been stretched out. 7,200, I, I guess, is probably in play as the third best option, depending on who goes for the Braves. Um, and whoever does go for the Braves, 
they might not go deep and it's a big total against so might not be a guy we're interested in anyways but uh what are your thoughts on may here at 7200 yeah so i think may is tough um because obviously he was a starter during the season but at the same time he hasn't thrown more than 55 pitches in a game since september 22nd so you're going on a month now with him doing anything starter like um threw an inning and two thirds on the 12th. So he's on short rest as well. Although um, that he, he threw 16 pitches there. So, I mean, that realistically could just have been like a, a throw day for him basically. So I don't want to read in too much to that and say he's on short rest. He can't be used as a starter because that very easily could have just been his, his bullpen day. Um, so I, I think that like my assumption would be that they're trying to get three or four innings out of him. I don't know. Maybe he can go more, um, but that, that would be my assumption. And at 7,200, it's still going to make him look okay on, on this slate. Um, strikeout numbers for him in general aren't where you would hope they'd be. I, I still don't really understand it. His minor league strikeout numbers were never great. His major league strikeout numbers aren't great. His stuff is fantastic. So I really don't know why he doesn't get strikeouts, but it just hasn't really happened yet for him. Um, but at 7,200, again, you know, you're, you're talking about only having two other pitchers really that are, are actual starters with Valdez and Snell right now, fan and DraftKings both have Josh Tomlin listed for the Braves. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, actually going to be the case or not, but even if it is, you're not really expecting him to go deep. So for all intents and purposes, you have two real starters on this slate. And so I'm, I'm still willing to take a chance on may, especially if his ownership's relatively low. Yeah. And we've got may at uh, almost 11 projected, uh dk points so he's way more in play than like a bryce wilson yesterday and we saw how that worked out um he had over 20 dk points so uh, i think they're like it's reasonable to assume that may has a good chance of being a top two pitcher uh if valdez or snell um gets blown up here so on a side uh, note um hilarious to me that bryce wilson had a really good start yesterday because i know josh played like 35 percent kyle Wright the day before and then uh, he and then he didn't play yesterday but I assume he would have had a bunch of Bryce Wilson if he played. So that kind of made me happy. Yeah. We had Bryce projected for like six points. Um, so obviously huge, a uh, huge ceiling performance based on what we had him doing in a median, uh, median outcome. Um, so yeah. Crazy stuff can happen. Uh, and the one thing I was saying yesterday with the four guys that were like the starters, so you had, um, you had Kershaw and then the three other guys that were basically going to go, two to three innings and Wilson ended up going five, I think. Uh, but we knew those guys were pitching. So those were the four guys that I was playing. Like we had no clue what was going to happen afterwards. If there were five runs in the first inning, that might've blown up their plans for their relievers. Um, and so Wilson ended up working out. Yeah. My guess with Wilson too, was actually that they were going to, he was going to just pitch through whatever he ran into because okay. they had already blown the bullpen like the day before. So I, I thought that he kind of would just eat it no matter how things were going. Yeah. So same, same thing goes uh, with May. I think we were talking about on Wednesday Dodgers are in a hole in this series. They're down three, one they're facing elimination. If May gets in trouble early, uh, I'm not sure how long the leash he's going to have. Um, but if he, if he's pitching badly anyways, you're probably not winning. So uh, it, it probably doesn't matter that much what's going on with him. Just, just want to note that he is projected for a bunch of ownership. He has got a decent projection. Um, so he is in play. I don't think Tomlin's going to be in play. I would imagine if you look at the exposures of a bunch of pros tonight, um, online of study tomorrow morning, uh, you will see them with basically the, the allotted 200% pitcher ownership, uh, going to may Valdez and Snell. And so that's probably what I would be doing over on DraftKings tonight. Um, 
if it is Tomlin, which specific Dodgers are you, are you going with here? Any guys that really stick out for uh, what Tomlin throws? Um, so Tom, Tomlin actually was pretty solid this year. He struck out 22%, only walked 5%. Um, I'm not, I, I haven't built lineups yet, but I'm not completely convinced that if he's relatively low owned, I wouldn't roster some Tomlin if, if he is getting the start. Um, just because if you do get, you know, three innings of him at 5,400, potentially he could be fine. But that, that would pretty much only be if I'm able to get to a lot of bats that I want. And I guess that does kind of hurt that he's facing the Dodgers since that's the bats that I'd be paying up for. Um, but that being said, um, throughout his career, he struggled with right-handed power. And that's been the case this year as well. 195 actual ISO, 251 expected ISO to righties this year. Last year, 188 expected ISO to righties. The year before that, 257. So um, there, there's nothing wrong with going to the really good left-handed hitters in the Dodgers lineup either. But I think that looking to Mookie Betts, looking to Justin Turner, looking to Will Smith is going to be where you, you really want to be. Uh, maybe a little bit of a bump for like AJ Pollock and Chris Taylor as well at a little bit lower ownership. What would you say the odds are that uh, the Dodgers come back and win this series? Just like percentage chance. Yeah. Um, so it's 3-1 right now? 3-1. 25. 20. 25%. Okay, I was going to go even lower. Uh, so I'm looking at the World Series futures on Odd Shopper, and uh, there's a couple – well – FanDuel has him, uh, FanDuel has the Dodgers at uh, plus 160. So either we haven't pulled uh, everything uh, correctly or FanDuel just hasn't updated their futures for whatever reason. Uh, so don't bet that. Uh, there's plus 500 you can find on Sugar House and DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, so that would be that would be a bet for you then, right? If you say 25% chance and they've got them at plus 500, they've got them at one in five chance. Yeah, um, I, I dropped it to, I said 20 to 25. So okay. Yeah, but it's in it's much, in the range, right? If you bet, do you, do you bet? No, can I you bet where you're at? I I can't. I, I have to go to I'd have to go to Pennsylvania, which is like a half hour for me. So like I could bet if I wanted to, but okay, I don't. Well, well if betting is legal in your guys' uh, states, oddshopper.osmo.com is uh, the place where you can find um, the best prices. So if you've got multiple sportsbooks, if you got access to them, um, why not go to Odd Shopper and find the best price? There's really no reason not to. Like you wouldn't want to play a guy that's uh, 8k somewhere else and we can get him for 6k on another site if everything was uh, equal so that's how i look at it from a uh, dfs perspective but uh pretty crazy here you can find on fanduel the braves at uh plus 450 to win the world series and then plus 500 is the best number you can get uh on the dodgers so if these are pulled correctly that's pretty wild i think there's some pretty good value on the braves you can get anywhere near that number um but yeah, it, it, one in five chance is what they're giving the Dodgers to come back here. That's I'm assuming that just that Vegas thinks that the Dodgers are a better team. Um, but like three games in a row against another really good team. I know they're heavily favored in this game. So even if you give them this game down three, two, uh, it's really tough to beat this Braves team two times. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is like Atlanta doesn't have a pitcher that you're going to look at and say, okay, I don't know. Like, this is a tough game for the Dodgers. Like they're going to be favored in every game, even when they get back to Max Reed. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of the, the thing. Like the Braves are obviously still favored since they just have to win one, but <laughs> it's going to be an upset whenever the Braves win. For sure. Yeah. Today would be a massive upset. Uh, minus 235 here uh, for May and, uh, and the Dodgers. 
Is there anything else you want to mention in this game from a DFS perspective? I'm looking at the ownership projections. One of the lowest owned guys, actually, I think the lowest owned guy that we have projected in the lineup right now is, uh, is it Pache? They were, they were saying yeah. the pronunciation. Christian, Christian Pache. Pache. Yeah. He's batting ninth for, uh, for the Braves, but $3,100 outfielder. Um, him and Marquette, well, he's about half the ownership of Marquette right now. So I think that would be easy. Just one v one. If you had $3,100 remaining, uh, I think you'd take Pache. Yeah, I've been, I've been rostering him a lot just because it's so hard to find any low owned hitters on these mm-hmm. slates and plus he's cheap. So yeah, I've been rostering him a lot. Um, his, like the scouting grades on his hitting isn't great, but he is one of the top prospects in baseball. He is fast. Like he can steal bags. Um, and then, you know, it's not like he has no power. So I, yeah, I've, I've been rostering him a lot and just hoping for the best. When you crunch out your lineups for these two gamers, maybe I asked this on Wednesday, so I apologize if I did. We're repeating it, but do you, do you set up stacks or do you just let the optimizer run uh, stack free? Cause you're going to get stacked lineups regardless. Yeah. I just run it stack free. Okay. Um, well, I think the first day that I played, I, did like three, two, but then I kind of realized that was just pointless because it's going to happen anyway. So. Yeah. And as long as you're not allowing like four hitters against your pitcher, right. I won't run into anything uh, too outlandish. So. Yeah. Like my, my settings have just been max three against my pitcher and then using the boost tool to downgrade everyone against my pitcher. And so I'm pretty much just getting natural, you know, a lot of like, even I know the first day, like my top ranked lineup was actually a five, three stack, even though I hadn't four stats. Okay. Oh, because you add in correlation, right? No, it just popped oh, up. Oh, you don't? No. Um, um, yeah, so it's just it, the, the point being with there being four teams, you're just naturally getting stacks anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Interesting. Uh, I like these uh, short slates. Even more game theory goes into it rather than just playing the best plays rather than just five-man stacking. Um, you got to get close to uh, the absolute nuts here. So uh, I would not play Josh Tomlin or whoever goes for the Braves. I wouldn't worry about relievers and just stick to the uh, the three quote-unquote starters, two-and-a-half starters that we have, uh, if you count May in there. It's not really a starter, but um, top stacks tool is free. Uh, taking a look at that, let me refresh. Actually, I don't think I've got the updated numbers. Um, so looking at DraftKings, we have the Dodgers as uh, the number one top stack probability at almost 32%. Uh, and a 26% ownership share. They're coming in at a little bit under-owned. Uh, it's always tough on these two gamers, but Atlanta is uh, the team that's coming up a little bit over-owned, and that's just because you, they're, they've got some value near the bottom of their order and near the middle of their order with a bunch of 4K guys in there, um, but only a 3.5 implied total, so they're not expected to put up a ton of runs here. So if I'm stacking one team, I would probably look to these Dodgers but uh, there's a lot of work to be done after that, even if you get this right. So maybe a three-man or a four-man instead of your your normal five on DK. Maybe you drop down to a three-man or two-man on FanDuel and just try to mix and match. So I think running your, – if you're making a handful of lineups here, I think running them without stacks um, would be the way to go. And, uh, you know, you can always choose from lineups after that. So any other strategy points you want to mention here? Just the the usual on a two-game slate, if you're playing especially large field tournaments, I wouldn't worry too much about how comfortable you are with your lineup or how good it looks. Like there's just going to be so much volatility that on a two-game slate where ownership is naturally pushed up on everyone, any kind of suboptimal thing that you do is probably going to be offset by the fact that it gives you a chance to actually like solo win a tournament. Yeah, on on these, I think 
it's a good exercise to just start hand building, build a lineup that you're comfortable with, and then <clears throat> you need to pivot two to three spots yep. on that lineup in order if you're if you're chasing down one of these big tournaments. But even in a single entry, because in single entry or three max, like the chalk is even chalkier. So I'm not saying get weird with your pitchers, but downgrade to uh, a note. Like for example, if you can get to um, I don't even know what's a good example here, but like the the top catcher on the slate, maybe you drop down to a guy and, and leave $700 on the table. Yeah. Um, something like that, because you're really only giving up like one or two points in actual projection, but uh, the ownership gap is going to be huge. So, yeah. The one good thing about baseball, especially when you're not stacking is it does give you 10 spots. So you're going to, it's a little bit harder to dupe lineups. Um, especially again, when you're not stacking, like when everyone's running five man stacks, you do more lineups because the five spots can only go so many different ways. But um, if you're not, full stacking and you have, you know, eight hitter spots and two pitcher spots, you're going to naturally do less. So yeah, it's just, you know, finding one or two contrarian pivots within your lineup. I would agree with that. And that uh, wraps up the last two game slate uh, that we'll be on for. We could uh, have a, we could have one more or no, two more two game slates. Uh, if these teams can keep these uh, series alive. Astros uh, on the brink of elimination as are the Dodgers. Um, Hit the like button on the way out. And if you guys I can never catch our shows live, um, you can catch them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got channels for MLB, NBA, uh, NFL, if you want to just get specific shows. Otherwise, just the Osmo Daily Fantasy uh, channel has um, every podcast on there that we do, including the betting show from earlier. Coming up, we have the NFL strategy show with Josh Engelman. And Alex Baker, always a good one to go through lineup construction to build some cash GPP uh, lineups and uh, talk through their builds. Start them, sit them show with Kyle Dvorak and Matt Kajeski at 2 p.m. Eastern, 5.15 p.m. Eastern. Jason Floyd and Terry McBride lead you up to lock with uh, this two-gamer. So good luck tonight, everybody, and uh, we'll see you soon.